Evening songs and to the listeners. I just got a question to your guests. Why do you guys allow foreign nationals, mostly Nigerians, to use and abuse our small children? And that you allow human trafficking. Why don't you guys make noise about these men? Because you only make noise of South African men. But what, what about these Nigerians that are enriching themselves by abusing our children, mostly the young girls? Please, guys, just fight for our children. Save this country from these guys. Please fight for them. It's a Mbambi in Cape Town. Thank you. Evening, Swangezo. You speak to Mutolo here in Masipumelele in Cape Town. I think your guest, uh, Doctor, he, she's actually absolutely wrong. She's very educated, but she's willing to represent another woman to be a slave on the road to sell her body. I think the doctor should have to uh, encourage those females to go to school rather than to become the slave that is wrong it's not african doctor please do the right thing thank you fantastic let's continue now just to respond to those conversation as we wrap up that first hour because i suppose you yeah. didn't really have an opportunity to finalize foreign national questions and the question on slavery of the woman's body just i think it would be a disservice to entertain the second um, voice note after the intensive work that the doctors have put in into this conversation this is not an issue of morality it's an issue of justice it's an issue of health it's an issue of dignity um, and more than anything it's an issue of agency you know um, women and men and trans women and everybody who's in the sex work industry have the choice to be doing sex work and anybody who is forced to do sex work is no longer a sex work but it's trafficked you know then it becomes a crime and i think that brings us to the first um comment sent by the gentleman you know criminality is not an issue of nationality if your issue is the exploitation of south african women then it's not a national issue it's not a nationality issue because black women in particular are exposed to immense uh and piles of violence in this country at the hands of different kinds of men in the workspaces and political spaces in their homes where they are with people they trust i mean 86 percent of young children because they mentioned young children who are molested are molested by people they, they, they they know by their relatives and their parents so if we want to criminalize uh nationality when we speak about the issue of crime then we are staring far away from the conversation and um, we should address crime for what it is and that is people are being violated and whoever is violating people despite and regardless of their nationality should be facing the law fantastic well that's going to move us right into the next conversation let's then have a frank diagnosis on the state of the continent and the is going to lead to this conversation with you good evening dr shakira chunara public health practitioner and a member of the african union's youth council good evening are you well doc uh good evening uh Sangeza. yes i'm doing well and yourself and well you no well man thank you so much for asking let's then have a frank diagnosis on the status of the continent this discussion will be led by my guest as well miss naledi chiro naledi do you have something to say to shakira i do shakira dr shakira thank you so much for joining us tonight i think this is an important conversation like all the conversations we've had really tonight um but more on the sense of you know seeming through the the thread on an african content basis 
because you've done a lot of work um, on diagnosing the state of the continent and worked um, with the AU as well. Um, I just want to know from your perspective, how do we, during this pandemic, how do we move towards strengthening the research aspect um, of COVID-19 and the response to COVID-19 continentally, if I may? Nadeti, firstly, it's, it's exciting to speak to you when I heard that you're on, show, on the show as well. Um, I mean, jumping right into it about COVID-19, um, just the other day, and of course, this is, is, is not said in a way that I want to be European in any way, but just the other day, I was engaging with the European Union. And yeah. if you go onto their website and you look at their response to COVID-19, they've ensured that they increasing supply of mm. equipment. Um, and personal protective equipment as well, medications. They pumping in vast amounts of money into their um, their specific region. Whereas when you compare to the African continent, what's happening at the moment is we're continuing our dependency model. Yeah. Um, we're accepting equipment. We're accepting everything versus let's let's pump up the supply of everything. Yes. And um, not not the Madagascar skills. Specifically, I don't want to get into that, but I yeah. want to talk about medications. I want to talk about personal protective equipment. Absolutely. I want to talk about research. This all needs to be coordinated. Um, and it's starkly different, like I said, to the European Union. And for me, it's a question of why? Yeah. Why are we still not doing this? You're raising a very important thing. I mean, just not so long ago, the minister raised to the portfolio committee that I sit in in health that the the domestic or local procurement of PPE is at 10%, meaning we export 90% of PPE from other countries. I mean, this is this alone uh, opens the fact that we are in a catastrophe in terms of strengthening our own local trade, even during a pandemic where a majority of the borders are closed and all of that. What then is the crisis in terms of African leadership, especially during this pandemic that we are facing? What can we pinpoint to being a, a crisis in terms of responses of leadership across the continent and paying particular um, uh, attention to South Africa? Look, I'm, I'm going to talk about the continent and, and based on my article, um, a frank diagnosis. Yeah. I, I think we have a, a dire situation on this continent. We have dictators in place. We have people who have not been serving the common um, citizens of this continent, mm. one. Two, corruption is a problem. Um, even with COVID-19, I'm really concerned about all the money being pledged. Is the money actually seeing light of day? Is it actually reaching the front line, the service delivery level? So that's the issue. And I'll go as far as saying the third issue is that everything is uncoordinated. So there's a response strategy here. There's a response strategy there in 15 AU divisions. There's there's one big continental strategy, but that lacks socioeconomic integration, youth integration. It's actually a very flimsy document. So for Mm -hmm. me, my question then is, how are all these different responses that everybody's launching to look like they're doing something yeah. actually translating to anything? I mean, the EFF has called for transparency in terms of data, um, of demographics, right? Um, and we've seen how, I mean, the, it's done in many countries already in response to COVID-19 and strategizing and predicting hotspots. But this is not yet done in South Africa. What then becomes uh, the importance of transparency and data across the continent um, for people who are receiving these responses made by our leaders? What then becomes the prerogative of our leaders to be 
be transparent in the information that they give to the people in regards to this pandemic? Well, I think it goes back to also us as citizens demanding what we want to see, right? Um, What we're seeing at the moment is that states throughout the continent, including South Africa, are holding a certain degree of power. And yes, we we appreciate the leadership, the Mm. leadership's needed, but at the same time, civil society needs to be able to ask questions, get answers to the questions, and us as citizens represented through these means shouldn't just accept the status quo, we need to organize in some way around this as well. So I believe that we can't expect transparency. It should be there, but yes. we are going to have to demand it. Yes, because it is it is Youth Month in South Africa. Um, just give us your thoughts on creating alliances as young people across the, the continent and the importance of that thereof, of creating alliances across a political lines, if I may, or political affiliation. What is the importance of youth solidarity in the continent currently? And before you respond to that, sorry, Shakira, I do want to engage the listeners for the purposes. If they do want to participate, their time is running out. 891 Let's join a lady and Shakira in a conversation about a frank diagnosis on the state of the continent as it responds to COVID-19. This, of course, on the backdrop that the chairperson of the African Union is President Ramaphosa. And now Naledi has asked a very critical question in terms of collaboration, making sure that we don't respond to COVID-19 as South Africa, but South Africa in the global context, first and foremost, but specifically to this question our lady has posed, the African response, because we are tied. We have sort of open borders and people will be moving along. In fact, people are still doing that now, irrespective of what the regulations are. So the reality on the ground is you do need networks. And the particular question is youth networks and yeah, yeah. how essential they are. And we're tapping into your role now as a youth council member on the African Union, Shakira. And Naledi, I'm happy to answer that. And if you followed me a little bit, you'll see I'm quite a critical voice within the African Union Mm. because I speak out against tokenism. And my role for this 1.5 years has essentially been tokenistic. I have not been engaged with my government effectively, nor have I been engaged within the AU structures effectively. But Mm. if I had to speak about what's needed one is and again you will come from the government side is engage those of us sitting in positions with expertise specifically young public health experts are very important during this time but then specifically to Naledi's question is um, I really like the quote by Dr. Tedros the head of the WHO and he said don't politicize um, the COVID-19 yeah, pandemic. Yeah. And right now, in some spaces, we're seeing the politicization. And how do we ensure that that doesn't happen? So we need to build a solidarity. We need to move fast, act fast, demand fast, not create fancy campaigns and mm. strategies, but say, Africa needs this on the front line. How do we move towards it? And I'll end up by saying then, finally, uh, a humanitarian response is needed during this time, a dire, dire and very big-scale humanitarian response by us as young people. It's the Tuesday Takeover. We have our first caller in this segment on the African Narrative. Good evening from KZN Anonymous, joining Shakira and Naledi. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening to you, Sangeso. How was the uh, banana cake? I'm still waiting, eh? Yeah. I'm I'm still recovering (laughs) from my wounds. I'm so sorry. Okay, um, I'm just, uh, I just want to say, you know what, everybody, every doctor is coming on the airwaves and giving us a different point of view for the COVID-19. There's a doctor that was, uh, he's a parliamentarian doctor, and he was on Mr. Nye's show, 
And he said late uh, one evening, and he said that, you know, um, I should know better when I asked a question. How was the person uh, in quarantine um, cured without any medication? With, uh, no, how was he quarantined in 14 days and then released after 14 days? He said, I should know better. I'm not a doctor. I don't know better. I just asked the question. I need an answer. And uh, because a person who had the COVID-19 in my town, in my area, I recently met him and asked the person, what symptoms did you get and how did you get cured? Were you in the ventilator? He said, no. He just went through type symptoms and um, and he had uh, quarantined himself at home and he was having this normal flu medication and he got uh, he's getting better. He said he was he got better on those grounds. He was not on a ventilator. So I don't know. Every doctor is giving us a different point of view. We don't know which is the correct point of view. People must please get their facts straight, especially doctors, before they come on the airwaves because they are misleading us. Thank you very much. Anonymous. Your thoughts are very much appreciated. Yeah, I think, you know, it's such an ongoing conversation. It's a new virus, like many people have said, and the research surrounding it is still ongoing to date. But what we do know is that there are people who are dying to COVID-19. Mm. Um, I mean, the minister just released the stats again today, and there's people who've passed on again, once again, right? Um, Chunara, Africa needs activists and not leaders. Just let us in into that assertion, that bold assertion of what exactly you mean by the fact that we need activists and not leaders. Because we are bombarded constantly with the narrative that we must become leaders, right? And now you come with this bold assertion that Africa needs activists and not leaders. Bring us in into your thoughts on that. Look, it, it comes a little bit from my work in public health as well. So not just on the AU and the spaces I've been observing, um, these positions that we title leadership positions are not really leading to impact at the ground level. Yes. What they're leading to is an individual becoming famous or having a better trajectory in life, yeah. or it's really focused on the individual. We're not seeing this beyond the individual. For me, then, once the individual is in this position and we see a cycle in society, um, they become comfortable, they conform to an organization, they stop becoming critical hmm. thinkers, they essentially become diplomatic. And in my speak, I would say that, um, you know, an activist is someone who pushes issues, who advocates for things, Absolutely. Um, who never conforms. And that's why I argue that right now on the continent, we don't need people in cushy positions. Um, we actually need activists, people who resolutely stand for what they, they need and want. Do you then associate leadership to positions or do you also associate it to activism? I mean, because I mean, if we say that activists should lead and advocate for change and for whatever reform that they are calling for, are they not leading in that sense? <laughs> And the lady, you're going into, I guess, you know, a, a bit of language. And I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Essentially and ideally, leadership is meant to play that role overall. But what I'm alluding to is leadership positions, yeah, and what they have become. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why even within these so-called positions, I call for an activist to be there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Shakira Chinara, for joining us tonight. Um, we appreciate your efforts. We appreciate your contributions to the conversation and have a great evening. It's a pleasure.
Fantastic. Dr. Chinara is a recipient of a number of prestigious awards, including being listed as the Africa Youth Awards 100 Most Influential Young Africans in 2018 and 2019, National Research Foundation's Next Generation Female Researcher, one of News 24 100 Young Nelson Mandela's for the Future, a One Young World Ambassador, and an Obama Africa Leader. So when she talks about activism, and I'm coming back to you just to finalize the segment, Naledi, I think it is important for young people in particular, because at times, and I suppose naturally so, the, the trappings of leadership, the position that is, will always be inviting. But I think at the same time, especially going back to what I opened the show on, mm-hmm. the value of activism is best expressed in what the youth of 76 were able to achieve without any promise of anything other than the achievement of a particular goal that that generation as a challenge was faced with. Now for the youth of this Generation, especially in a global pandemic as COVID-19, how would you summarize the need for activism to be especially resuscitated? I think activism is very much inherent in um, the nature of South African youth as is. I mean, South Africa at some point was noted as the protest uh, capital globally, right? So we do know for a matter of fact that South Africans do have a protest nature in them and do have a sense of demanding what they deserve and demanding their rights and service delivery. and coming from a protest organization, protest is something that is easily part of our conversation and our language as the economic freedom fighters. Um, uh, that is how we came into the movement to begin with after the, the launch of the EF Students Command in 2015, when we were initiated into the movement as student activists. That has always been our language as student activists. When we called for Africans must fall, that was activism. When we called for insourcing now, that was activism. When we're distributing pads and still are, that was activism. When we are calling for fees to fall, honey, that is activism. When we call for free education consistently and substantially, that is a form of activism. And I think we organize and mobilize and agitate in different ways. And there must be an appreciation for the different forms of activism that happen in the country. Um, Even our scope is not only an issue of Classism that even persists, where we look at certain kinds of activists and afford them the voices that uh, we don't afford other kinds of activists, like activists in rural areas. I lived in Taung for over a year working with young girls um, uh, in 2018, fighting issues of health and access to health with young activists in Taung in the Northwest. Those are activists that, you, they, they, that don't get calls to radio stations, right? So even our spectacle of seeing what activism is should change and not always be elitist and classist. Fantastic point to end that note on, and I think it really does boil down to, in in the sense, making the circle big and having those voices who are on the margins, who have no less a perspective and experience and ability to implement the change that a given society or generation is required to fulfill as a mandate. Now, Lady, thank you so much. It was a oh, wonderful time. Thank you having so, you on the so much. Takeover. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Um, thanks to your listeners and the voice notes and everybody who tuned in. Um, let the conversations continue. You know, it's a yes, battlefield so of ideas. Excellent. Battlefield of Ideas. It's Youth Month and there shall be plenty more of those uncomfortable truths, but nonetheless insightful conversations. Let's go to our book reading.